welcome a new member to our family. So uh, David and Wendy, would you like to bring your friend up and introduce him? And just uh, explain what happened. <laughs> Do you want to put that up, Brian? You got so carried away, you didn't put up my PowerPoint. Thank you. Hallelujah. It's also wonderful when you show up, by the way, uh, because really we were in, uh, we were in uh, Nova Scotia last weekend uh, where we are ordained uh, uh, another uh, woman pass into the pastorate, Paula, great lady. And uh, we're also up in one of our, uh, the oldest assembly in Canada, which is celebrating their 92nd anniversary, and that's why we were there. And uh, it's down to where the young people's leader is like 80 <laughs> or 70. Um, so there are a lot of older people there. So really we went there kind of looking at the past. But, uh, you know, I sensed a revival spirit there, and I told them that. I said, there's something different going on here right now, and I'm, uh, we've been there often. It's not our first trip there. Uh, but I feel there's a revival spirit, and actually, I believe it's breaking into Nova Scotia. And Nova Scotia is a very hard place for pastors. Even pastors from any denomination will say, if we're sent there, it's the graveyard of pastors. So it's a very, very tough place. We don't quite know why, uh, but I believe the Holy Spirit can break through any, break, any hard spot. Uh, and so we're believing God for revival. Well, I don't want revival just there. I want revival here. I do believe in a global revival. I believe in a global harvest. I believe in a global harvest revival. I would like to see that. I would like to be part of that. You know, we were kind of, uh, as Jana pointed out, uh, 1904 was the uh, Welsh revival. And uh, we were birthed out of that. And uh, as a result of that, it's kind of in your DNA. You know, I think all of the, in fact, every church probably can look back and say they were birthed out of something like that. But for us, that was kind of like where we were birthed. And uh, so it's part of Luke chapter 10 uh, scripture there that I put up. It's kind of small, uh, but I'll read it for you. Now, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. So I'm going to be looking at Luke chapter 10 a little bit as a model for revival. Because I've been asking the Lord, you know, what brings revival? How can we experience not just I mean, we can personally have a revival any day, of the, any day of the week. Any morning you wake up, I can ask for a revival, and you can be revived. Amen? Either that or just stay in bed. Uh, but uh, you could be revived every morning. So you ask the Holy Spirit, revive me every day, and let me feel your presence every day. You can do that. Do that habitually. It'll be good for you. But there's something about when we talk about revival where it spreads beyond the boundaries of me, where beyond the boundaries even of the church, where it actually goes out and, and affects the community, affects people, and causes them to experience God in a remarkable way, in a way you wouldn't anticipate. It, it doesn't, there are conditions that meet it. And, you know, the conditions are not just that everybody's happy. Actually, sometimes revival works better when people are really desperate. Uh, there's a revival, as Janet has pointed out, I think, in, in, on her Monday meeting. There's a revival going on in Iran, which is probably the most inhospitable place for the gospel, where if you believe her, you die. And uh, yet revival is taking place and, and really emptying the mosques and, and filling, uh, filling up, not churches, because there are no churches, it's against the law. Uh, but people are experiencing God in a remarkable way because they're desperate. They need revival. Um, uh, we were birthed, I, I, haven't, I don't think I've told the story here. Uh, my parents were um, affected by the Welsh revival, even though we were in Denmark. Uh, 
so it was a few years later that uh, people were sent. You know, revival is catching. Did you know that? So people were sent from Wales over there and, and met somebody there, and, 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 uh, and so it started influencing uh, people over there. Well, my parents were Lutheran. They, didn't, they go, went to church three times in a lifetime uh, when, <laughs> when they were born, when they were married, and when they died. That was kind of it. And uh, they were very secular. They didn't really care about, uh, they didn't, didn't even think about it. And, uh, you know, but God uh, caught hold of my aunt. I don't know how she got it, but she was probably talking to somebody on the street. And uh, they told her about Jesus. And uh, the next thing you know, that she got hit by the Holy Spirit. Do you, know what it's, do you know what it feels like to get hit by the Holy Spirit? Sometimes it's like running into a truck. Other times it's, uh, no, other times it's gentle. Uh, it can be the gentle breeze, but it can be a hurricane too. Uh, so uh, the fact is that they, she was hit by the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, when you get hit by the Holy Spirit, suddenly you get very happy. It's not, a sad it's not a sad moment. It's not like a desolate moment. Sometimes you just get overwhelmed. That's why people fall on the floor sometimes. Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, I remember N.K. Do you remember N.K.? Anybody remember those who were here at the time remember N.K.? Well, he was a student. Uh, we led him to the Lord on the way back and forth to, sc to school. At, uh, but the thing is, when you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit, it's a lifetime. It changes everything. That happened to my aunt, and she went home and told her husband. Uh, and her husband, uh, he, he was a construction worker, and was like, don't tell me about that. Uh, anyway, he was constructing something down in the basement somewhere of a house, and uh, he got locked in by a mistake. So he was stuck down there for three days. <laughs> and then he was finally calling out to the Lord, okay. Like, and, um, uh, and my aunt went after my mother, and my mother gave her heart to Jesus too, and she had an experience with the Lord. And my father, he, said, he was a businessman, so he said, well, I'm holding out for a better deal. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually he got hit. And, you know, when they get hit, everything kind of falls off. It, you don't have to tell people what to do. The Holy Spirit corrects them and fixes things and does things. And they just became changed people. And they became very enthusiastic for the Lord. And so they were seeing baptisms take place. One old guy, uh, his daughter was the, the pub owner. And she got, he got saved. And he wanted, just like Les, he kind of got saved. And, uh, and he got filled with the Spirit. And he wanted to be baptized. So they baptized him. He was an older guy. He got baptized in water, and uh, then he came out. My father, uh, my father used to own a, a limousine company in the day, so he had a limousines, and so they, he took him in the car and, and drove him back home. After uh, he died shortly after, then the uh, then his daughter sued the church for because she claimed that my father drove him around in wet clothes in his limousine all over town, and uh, <laughs> so. Uh, but anyway, that got squashed. But it was a, it was an exciting time because people were just being affected by the power of God. And, you know, we think, we, I don't know what you think about when you think of revival, but, you know, it's fun. It is a hoot to see God at work. <laughs> and uh, you end up laughing a lot uh, when you see the Lord really working and bringing about uh, effective change in people's lives. And, you know, when they get hit by the Holy Spirit that way, they're, they're done for life. I mean, we've had that experience. You're not going back. You're not going to happen. You're not going to let anything take you away from that anymore. So, you know, I, I believe in that kind of revival. I would like to see that revival. I want to hit our community. Uh, you know, we want to do our part. So what conditions are there that bring about revival? What are the conditions? This is what I'm asking the Lord to, to show me, to show us. So I, I Googled it. It's always good. God bless Google somehow. <laughs> 
Well, I think that a lot of these points, I think, are really useful. First of all, uh, what, what brings about revival? First of all, you have to really believe it's needed. Do you believe that revival is needed? Uh, I do. You know, I, I, you know sometimes I, I look here. There are, there are things happening in our church that should not be happening. People are sick. They shouldn't be sick. Something wrong with that. And uh, we see our family, some of them drift off somewhere, and they, they get caught up in stuff. That should not be true. Uh, we need revival. And sometimes we have struggles. Does anybody here not have struggles? Oh, only Cease doesn't have a struggle. <laughs> oh, that was a mistake. You're struggling to hear me. <laughs> God has already done. And then say, do it again. You know, when we've seen God act once, why not twice? Why not multiply that event? Why not see him move in many different ways? So we need to kind of get behind that. We need to, first of all, realize that we need it. Uh, you know, so when we pray for conviction on the people out there, it's not just a, it's not a conviction of how bad they are. Most people know they're already bad. Uh, they already know they're bad to the bone. Uh, they don't need to know that. What they need to know is that there's hope. What they need to know is that, that they need God. They need the Lord. And I don't, I was asking Jay, we're sitting in a, a restaurant having breakfast, and I'm looking around, and I think when you're looking at those people, uh, I think, what would bring them to the point where they feel that they need salvation? They're having a good time. I said, they don't seem to have any problems. And Pastor Janice said, everybody has problems. Everybody needs the Lord. So sometimes you need to realize that you do. And I think that's where the power of conviction comes. So we need, need revival. We as believers have to believe that revival is possible. I mean, you pray for it, pray for it, pray for it, and it's not happening. So it can easily get daunted and say, well, let's get on with life. Uh, but the fact is, revival can happen. And, and uh, that certainly is possible. And I think the time is ripe for that. I'll get on to that in a minute. Uh, know that God wants to have a revival. God likes revival. <laughs> Sometimes we just, revival doesn't come cheaply, uh, and that revival must be pursued. Wherever there's revival, actually, there's also resistance. Uh, you can't, there's no resistance unless something is moving. Uh, that's how, friction doesn't happen when, it stands, when everything's standing still. That's called inertia. Uh, but friction happens when something is moving, and that's when you can feel the heat of friction. So sometimes when, when you're doing something uh, or when you're on the right track, I think sometimes the enemy uh, kind of creates a resistance. That's his job. His very name, Satan, means resistor. So he's resisting. I think a lot of things we're experiencing here are the result of resistance. And it's kind of, he's kind of like preempting. I, think, I believe God wants to move with us and through us. When we're worshiping him and honoring him, I believe God wants to work through the people of God. When that happens, there is resistance. It's a distraction. He's got weapons of mass distraction. He knows how to use them. He's had a lot of practice. And so we have to kind of make a choice that that's not how we're going to live. We're going to live purposefully. So it's now the time. So I'll come back to the scripture. Uh, that we're, it's actually quite prophetic. It's a model. It's a model of revival. It's a model for the end time revival. So we need to look at that because the Bible gives us clues and answers on how God plans to do things. 
So here, he, here it is, and he told them, when his disciples, he chose 70. We'll talk about that in a second, but he chose 70. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Amen. So this was a unique occasion where he took 70 people. He had 12 apostles, 12 people that he chose. But here he chose another 70 to send them out. Uh, and um, I believe it's, uh, it, it says that in the previous chapters, he says he chose them before he was to be taken up, before his ascension. So it didn't say before his death. He said before his ascension, before he was about to be taken up. Now, I believe that he send, he's sending out, he sent out then, uh, 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 the field is the world, and the harvesters are the angels, whether they're regular angels or whether they're messengers. Uh, either way, there's going to be a harvest at the end of the season. This is the end of the season. I, really, I, I love the Bible, by the way, because the Bible is full of clues. And when you dig around a little bit, you see them, and then you realize that this is so intricate, only God could have written it. That gives you a great deal of faith. So what I was looking at here, why 70? Because it's actually part of a messianic promise. If you go back into the Old Testament, there were three feasts of God. I'm just going to talk about that very briefly. You could do a whole big study on this. But there are three feasts that God in, uh, insisted that the people participate in. They were the feasts of the Lord. Not the feasts of Israel, but the feasts of the Lord. So the Lord was, the Lord was going to have a good time. It was his party and he wanted you to be there. So, uh, you know, it also talks about the king's party, one of the parables that Jesus spoke where they, he went, they actually went into the highways and byways and brought them in. Remember that? So it's the Feast of the Lord. The first one is the Feast of Passover, which is what we celebrate, actually, when we partake of the Lord's table because that's when he came as the lamb that was, taken, that was uh, given for, to take away the sins of the world. That was the Feast of Passover when the children of Israel celebrated that they were brought out of slavery and into freedom. Man, do you see the connection? So we celebrate that because we've been brought out of slavery and into freedom. Out of slavery to sin and into the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Out of the, out of the place of bondage and into the place of promise. That goes back like 2,000 years. Okay, this was, not, this was something that God was pointing forward to. In fact, you can read the whole Old Testament and it all points to Jesus. Which is why you know this has got to be a God thing. Amen. So then there's the Feast of Pentecost. You know when the Feast of... <laughs> 50 days after the Feast of Passover, there was a, fe there was a harvest feast. It was the Feast of First Fruits. It was a feast when, when things had a beginning of harvest. And that's when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church. There was, uh, many people say it's the birthplace of the church, uh, where the people who were born again were filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is a second feast that, that God introduced, and it was a time when they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Go and wait in Jerusalem until you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and he will help you to become witnesses. Hallelujah. And, of course, he helps in many other ways. What happens is when we become new believers in Christ Jesus, his Holy Spirit comes and, inf and fills that void in our life, in our heart, which is empty because our spirit is dead to God, but it is made alive by the presence of God. When we accept him, his Holy Spirit moves in. And we can have a first fruit of that experience. And so many people have what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like you get thrown in the deep end. 
not just like, knee up to the knees, up to the waist, and then waters to swim in. (laughs) Come on, don't be so stiff and starchy. (laughs) I'm the one wearing a suit. (laughs) Hallelujah. And then the last feast. So all of these have a, all the feasts of the Lord in the Old Testament have a spiritual experience component, something that happens in the spiritual realm. So in the physical realm, they had these three feasts that they were required to celebrate every year, in fact. And, uh, and in the spiritual realm, in our lifetime, we are to experience. And in, our, in, in the place of, um, of, of and in the global eschatology of things, in the great big picture, uh, we are to experience these things as well. And the last feast is called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast, actually, of Ingathering. So the original Hebrew word means the Feast of Ingathering. It was a celebration of the final large harvest. The great harvest, not the first fruits, but the whole deal. So they reap everything because winter's coming. Hallelujah. Feast of ingathering. So for us, that's an ingathering of souls, an ingathering of people. Uh, 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 that's a Holy Spirit revival. And in fact, in every generation, there is such a, there is one of those. There's been a revival in every generation. And so, and so, uh, We've had some samplings of that, but I'm thinking we're looking really at what I would say a global revival. It's where the Holy Spirit's going to move in and do a big deal, do a big thing. Hallelujah. And I want to experience that. I want to know that. So at that time of harvest, it was actually for the nations. So the Old Testament is is actually looking forward to the time when Israel would would be extended to the Gentiles which happened in Jesus, has come about in Jesus, so that everybody, the whole world, is going to be infected by the lamb that was slain for the world, not just for Israel in Egypt, but for the whole world. Hallelujah. So the ingathering is about the nations coming. And uh, even in that feast, there are clues as to why that should be. Do you know that they would sacrifice uh, 13 animals, 13 bulls, they would act, uh, on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, they would sacrifice 13, the next day 12, the next day for seven days, one less each day. And you know what happens when you add them all up? If you add up all those numbers, it adds up to 70. So when he chose 70, it was not by accident. That was not by accident. He was, point, he was giving clues. That points ahead to what the purpose of it is. It's an extension. They were, in a sense, apostolic because they were sent out. But it was purposeful. And he chose that because he's portraying something that is, in fact, yet to come on a global sense. In that local scenario, uh, it fulfilled its purpose. In each of our lives, it can also be a model of what happens in our generation. Even if it's not the final global one, this can happen to us as well. It's about being sent out by the Holy Spirit and to go out. So I'm believing God. Now, I'd like it to be global because that would be really cool. But even if it's not, we're going to go with it because it's a model for all of us here. It's a model for Peterborough. It's a model for our church. It's a model for the churches in Peterborough. When we engage in in, uh, in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, he enters in purposefully. If God, pur- Jesus purposely did this. God does everything according to his eternal purpose. Everything has a purpose. Even if we don't understand what it is, we don't know what it is, we can't maybe figure it out. Maybe it's a surprise. It's like, what? How did that happen? Very often God does things you have to explain later. So 70. 
70 sacrificial bulls and 98 lambs. And uh, the Bible considers these things, uh, the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, these sacrifices were called transformational sacrifices. Transformational. Because when they burnt the whole burnt offering, it all went up in smoke. And it says the smoke was a pleasing aroma to God. So it's actually a picture of the death, physical, but the resurrection, spiritual. So the smoke is like the spirit rising up before God. And so when we see revival, it's transformational. Hallelujah. I love transformation. Hallelujah. I love it when people say, what happened? I said, yeah, it's for real. <laughs> Hallelujah. But when I look across here, we got miracles here all the time, and we should never forget what God has done. You know, we by nature are, are in fact uh, geared or we are programmed to think negatively. All the things God has not done. Why did he not do this? Why did he not do that? Just don't go there. Instead, look at the wonderful things he has done. That'll put you in the right faith frame that he will do other things as well. Even in the negative things he's working behind the scenes. We are in a war. We are in a war. So sometimes there are battles that we don't seem to win. But I'll tell you this, we will win the war. Stay the course. Follow the, follow the field marshal. Hallelujah. All right, so here we go. Do you want to be sent out? Do you want to be one of the 70? Want to be one of this last generation 70? You want to be a 70? Amen. Hallelujah. 70 throughout the Bible, by the way. I won't go into that, but because I like math. I like numbers, so. But it's, throughout the Bible, 70 Sanhedrin, the 70 elders of Moses, so on and so forth. <clears throat> so 70 is an important, it's, a, it's about government, it's about the government of God, 7 and 10. 10 is government, 7 is holy. Holy government of God. Hallelujah. Mm, hallelujah. Wow. I'm trying to look a little more enthusiastic. <laughs> this is wonderful stuff. This is stuff that makes me smile all night. And I can't sleep. So now he goes on, he says, I'm sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Okay, but they're Rambo lambs. They're armed and dangerous lambs. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lambs among the wolves. So 70, 70 sacrificial animals and now 70 lambs going out among the wolves. Hallelujah. That's okay. So go, behold, I send you. So what's happening here is that there's actually... And I believe it's true for now, too. There's a shift taking place right now. There's a shift as it was in, in that chapter. If you go into the previous chapter, it's always, always about is becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the last way, thing he ends up with is, is how hard it is to be a disciple. First of all, uh, you can't put, if you put your hand to the plow, you can't back off. And then he says, then one of them says, yeah, but i got to go bury my father. And he says, let the dead bury the dead. Tough, man. And I said, we want to follow you. It's tough to be a disciple. He, why is he saying that? Because it probably hadn't been tough up till then. But now it's time to toughen up. Because he's about to send them out. He's now transitioning them from being followers to being ones who are sent. Okay? So he's, he's transitioning them from being disciples to being apostolic. Emissaries. People who are going to be sent out. 
So they need to, if you're going to be a follower, you should still be, a, they're still followers, but now they're followers on a mission. And so I think also as we're looking, listen, it's easy to settle down. Amen? Oh, I've been, all my problems are gone now. I'm a believer and I can trust the Lord. I'm going to live my life peacefully and lovely. Everything's going to be wonderful. Prosperity, prosperity, this, that, healing. All of these good things can follow me. All his goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Yes, but put your suit of armor on because you're going to war. It's not enough that you live your, your pleasant life and then die. You're here on a mission. What about them bones? Them bones, them bones, them dry bones. All them broken people. All the broken people. Where do they all come from? <laughs> They're all broken there. And Ezekiel looks at them. Can these bones live? You know, Lord. God knows. I don't know. Can they? It doesn't look to me like they could. Oh, well, speak to them. And he said, the bones are rattling. Hallelujah. They're coming together. What a Halloween scene that must have been. <laughs> Whoa. But it didn't end there. It wasn't a celebration of death. It didn't enough that the bones came together. They got flesh put on them and then skin. Then they all stood up. And he said, speak to the wind. Breathe life into them. Come northeast wind. Come east wind. Come north wind. Come four winds. Breathe into these bones. Breathe into this, this mass of people standing around here looking like zombies. Breathe life into them. And it says they became a mighty army. What does an army do? It goes to war. It's on a mission. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You sure you want revival? Yeah. Sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Rambo lambs. But you know, the, 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 the wonderful thing is they actually, they, were, they actually had a lot of, you have a lot of fun when you, they came back, it says they were full of joy. And Jesus was full of joy too. Woohoo! This was great. Wow. They're going to reject you. Your lambs among the wolves. Uh, you need protection. Everything this could, bad could happen to you. But they came back. Yahoo! Even the devils are, are, are fleeing. I saw the devil fall like lightning from heaven. And Jesus rejoiced greatly because he said, Are you a babe? I know my wife is a babe, but that's all right. <laughs> I mean it in the more generic sense. <laughs> Are you, are you, do you have childlike faith? That's what qualifies you. A trusting, childlike faith. You don't lean on what you're able to do, but you're absolutely trusting. Children are trusting. They're by nature trusting. So childlike faith is you're trusting. You're trusting in your daddy. You're trusting in the father. You're trusting in the Holy Spirit. You're trusting in your big brother. Hallelujah. And they came back really happy. A lot of fun. You know what's fun? Revival can be fun. Did you know that? Getting back to my daddy's limousine, my father's limousine. So he hired, a, he hired, it was actually a limousine. He bought it because the royal family were trading up. So he bought the royal family limousine. 
and it still had the royal family. This is in Denmark. Still had the royal family crest. My dad was really a great guy. Uh, he knew how he knew how to make a krona or a buck in our language, <laughs> but he knew how to make a buck. He could make a buck out of anything. I don't know. But he bought this limousine, so he had a bunch of limousines. But this was one he had, and he hired a guy named Albert to drive it. Uh, so he would go and pick up people in, in this limousine with a royal crest on it. So people get in and they, oh, they get in and he says, yeah, and he's all dressed in his lovely immaculate uniform and whatever. So they get into the car and he's driving along and, and he, he, he says, I'm a prince, you know. They're all like, oh, it's not just the limousine. I'm actually being driven by the prince. Yes, my, I'm Prince Albert. Oh, because they were, the real prince was Prince Albert. <laughs> I'm Prince Albert. And they said, oh, yes, I'm a son of the king. Ah, wow. King Jesus. What? <laughs> so he was using every opportunity to testify. You know, when you get the Holy Spirit, you become funny. And you become bold. And you become uh, like no inhibitions. And you begin to share things. And you can actually influence people by that moment. Revival is not boring. Revival is fun. And, uh, and you can be moved that way. So laborers. Pray the Lord of Harvest to send forth laborers. There are plenty of people in church, but we need 70 laborers. We need to get past being disciples and become laborers. Oh, wow. Okay. Have we got a minute? You all right? So Jesus sent them with authority, <coughs> with instruction. And with mission. Authority. No point going out unless you have authority. The power belongs to Jesus, but the authority belongs to you. Because he's giving it to you. Okay? Not just power, but authority. And he says, you have power, you have, you have authority over all the power of the enemy. I think this is something we're missing. And excuse me if I say this, okay, because, I mean, I have been involved in deliverance, and it can be a nasty, dirty business. You don't really like that particularly. And, you know, I'm also conscious that you don't uh, <coughs> come against principalities and powers you, uh, in your own strength, because if you do, you meet Leviathan, and, uh, and you're, you, you'll wish you hadn't gotten into that battle. Uh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can tackle powers and principalities. There are princi there's principality and powers that rule over over. Peterborough, did you know that? They are controlling territorial spirits that rule the, the city of Peterborough. And, uh, and it's evidenced in many different ways. And uh, part of the big part of that is control. Big part of that is control. <clears throat> and it can enter into the culture of the people so that even though they don't recognize necessarily the, the, the power, the power is a power of influence and it can influence the way we think and the way we act. And if you've been born in this, you wouldn't know any different. And so it can be a controlling spirit in the church. And uh, it's basically to make people do things you want. You know what? God, God is for control, but he wants to be in the control. The Holy Spirit fruit is the fruit of self-control. Not, control, not my control over you. Not your control over me. Not the political control of people uh, all ganging up together to get their way. 
Uh, we, this is not a democracy. It is a Holy Spirit theocracy. Hallelujah. And it works really well when we're all in the Spirit. It works really poorly if we're not. It won't work at all. But when we're in the Spirit, there's a remarkable unity that takes place because we're one with Him. Then it's like, I feel that, I feel, Pastor Janet feels that we should pray for Kalila. She already has a prophetic word for Kalila. How did that happen? Did they compare notes? Did you text each other to say, no, nothing sneaky like that? No. Uh, he's Holy Spirit sneaky, by the way. So he will do things in a, in a way that looks like it could be sneaky, but it's not. He does things under the, under the radar. But the wonderful part of being a Holy Spirit fellowship is that one has a hymn, one has a psalm, one has this, but it all dovetails and works together. That's what makes it a miraculous. Every time we gather, this is, this is a miracle place. It doesn't always happen everywhere. And sometimes even here, the flesh can, our human nature can get in and put a, put a fly in the ointment. Uh, but it's our intention that we want the Holy Spirit to be the governing power in our church fellowship. Amen? And when he, and like, People looking at me like, what was that? And then leaving one by one. And I thought, what does that mean? And I'm trying, no, come back, my crew. <laughs> Don't go. Let me explain what just happened. Uh, but, you know, things can happen when we're in a revival spot that will be controversial and conflicting and be difficult. We need to have confidence in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Peter had to explain what was happening. Amen. Anyway, enough on that. But I do believe we're moving into something, and we're going to see God move. You know, when Jesus spoke, the, the demons cried out. What would happen here if the demons cried out? Okay, good. That's, what, that's the answer I was hoping. Yeah, it can be a freaky thing. And uh, so sometimes you, uh, you, you try to do that in a way that doesn't make everybody freak out. <laughs> I know my brother uh, grew up in, in that revival time, and he saw that happening, and now he's resistant to the gospel. He didn't want anybody to lay hands on him. So I have to kind of break through that. But now at least I know that, so that's a good start. But um, So things could happen, and we need to be ready to, to face them and to have confidence that the Holy Spirit is with us. And when it, It'll be like ducks to water. I wouldn't worry too much about it. There's authority in Christ. Secondly, there's instructions. Um, are we okay so far? Okay. God, be quick now. Um, so this passage in the scripture says, like, it, has, it happens quickly. You have to be agile. If you're going to see the Holy Spirit move, you have, to be, you have to have your antenna up. You have to know what he's doing, when he's doing it. Don't bother trying to prepare way ahead of time. Uh, everybody loves to prepare ahead of time, but let me tell you something. God often acts by total surprise. And suddenly it happens, and it's not a programmable way. They're, they're people, persons. If you're doing something and someone comes to visit you, you drop everything just to look after them. You, you drop, whatever your plan was goes out the window because most important is that you're not rude, that you're actually helping them along the way. When we leave church in, in Brazil, they say goodbye to you five times. Uh, once when you're here, then once when you get out there, once when you get by the door, once you get by the parking lot, and then they follow you down the road waving goodbye. So it's a big palava because that's their culture. And so in the Arab culture, it was like that. But what Jesus is saying here is don't let 
protocol be an obstruction to doing what God has called you to do. Don't look at anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Be focused. And just do what God has called you to do. I don't know how many times I've tried to be polite and miss the boat. All right, last one here. This one here is important. <clears throat> Work with a man of peace. So I actually look, try to figure out what that is, is means. So I got, came across this story here. Uh, a Southern Baptist missionary in Asia discovered the power of that advice when he entered a potentially hostile, unreached village with a co-worker. We prayed, God, we know that you are at work here or we wouldn't be here. We need a man of peace who will take care of us until we can feel our way around this village and know if it's safe or unsafe. I started my stopwatch. We walked into the center of the village where the well was. A person approached me out of nowhere and said, have you eaten? We said, no, not yet. He said, well, come to my home. His name was Lee, and he was the person of peace we wanted. I stopped my watch, 3 minutes, 21 seconds. Lee fed them, then properly introduced them to the village's hard-faced leader, who might otherwise have ordered the strangers killed with long knives. Lee told, him, told the village leader, who was ill, that the newcomer's God is a great God, and then of peace in his own right, opening his heart and the whole village to the gospel. Who was this man or woman of peace? You can identify him. Who is a man of, or woman of peace? You can identify him by the three R's according uh, to three R's. One, they are receptive to the gospel. Second, they possess a reputation to gain attention for the message among family and community. And third, they effectively refer bearers of good news to the larger group. So Dave and Wendy, you are people of peace because you just did this. Amen. The Roman centurion Cornelius was such a person, <coughs> a righteous and God-fearing man, respected by all the Jewish people. He encouraged by divi divine vision, he invited Peter into his home, warmly welcomed him, and called together his family, friends, and to hear the apostles' word. As a result, Cornelius and his whole family and many others believed and were baptized. Amen. So look for the ones that God's hand is on. So we're going to come to the table of the Lord with a final statement, which is mission. I believe there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ to heal the sick. And it's not just the sick in church. I don't mind praying for sick people here, uh, but it has to go outside of here. Every time, when they were sent out, they weren't sent out to other believers. They were sent out to where there were no believers. They were sent out to where the people didn't believe. And healing follows very often when we are going, when we are ready to give the message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He will attest to the truth of that message by our boldness and by faith believing. So that when we come across somebody, and you can tell when the Holy Spirit is on somebody and just do it. Uh, and, and who can, and, and, and just pray for them. Another person of peace, by the way, is Lorette. She's amazing. And she, you have influence over your neighbors. And so I just, point, I just pick out a couple here right now because we have them. It's not like, okay, then it's not like, okay, you have to be a, an apostle or you have to be some big wig. Uh, you'd be a small wig, it's okay. Uh, you, can, uh, you can do it. 
And it's just a matter of availing yourself to the Holy Spirit, be sensitive to it, and then be bold. Be yourself. Be happy. When you're full of the joy of the Lord, it's catching. You don't have to force anybody into being a believer. You just be happy all over them. When you're happy all over them, you're sneezing the, the, the love of God out on them. Ekchu. Ekchu. Let it go viral. It'll be good. But too often when we achieve the love of God, we do this. Don't do that. Spread the gospel. Spread the good news. We're gonna, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Wendy and Dave, I think you should help me deliver this. Yeah. And how about uh, Marvin and Paige? Good to have you guys back. They faced the lion, well, not the lion, but they did face the bear. And uh, so now they're eager to go after Goliath. Come on up. Are you happy yet? Yes. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You need to be happy and start worshiping him for that. You need to catch, a, not a cold, you need to catch the fire. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead. And Yoi, you can take that too. It's for you as well. Hallelujah. For every curse, Hallelujah. you're the cure. For every sickness, Whoa. you're the healer. For every storm, you're the calm. For all that's lost, oh, what a On the cross of Calvary, every burden has been defeated, every wretched heart redeemed. You drown our sins in seas of crimson. worship you, Lord Jesus, because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And Lord, uh, we, have, we, we can hunger now for nothing else other than you're the only satisfying portion. So Lord, we partake of this bread in celebration of what you did at the cross for us. You broke through the devil's barrier and his, and his hold over us by death. Lord, you have conquered death. Hallelujah. So Lord, we partake of this bread in celebration of your of us passing over and us coming into your presence. Amen. Hallelujah. On that day of utmost glory, all of darkness cannot tarry. Every shackle will come undone. 
my solid rock, thine is the kingdom. Every shackle will come undone, my solid rock, thine is the kingdom. Hallelujah, death is beaten, Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. <clears throat> wow, Lord, we just love your presence. We feel your presence even here when we're together because you did promise that when we gathered in your name, you'd be here. And we just rejoice in that. Lord, we also thank you that your presence will go with us wherever we go, even to the end of the age. So as, as natural as blood is in our natural body, your life blood is in our spiritual life. And we receive that uh, cup now of salvation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're partakers of his character, of his, as we partake, we're also partakers of his mission. So are you ready to go out? You ready to be world changers? Amen.